0: Hello there, everyone. It's Colin Parker, one of your hosts of Timeline Scavengers. I wanted to drop in here really quick before the episode actually starts to give a quick content warning for drug usage, drug paraphernalia, drug slang, uh, and also for physical abuse. Uh, So stay safe and enjoy the episode. Well, hello there, everyone. Welcome to Timeline Scavengers, the podcast specifically designed to last forever. I'm Colin Parker, one of your hosts.
1: And I'm James Anderson, your other host. On this show, we're going through the MCU in historical order, scene by scene, until the end of time. My goodness. My God, it's in the end of time.
0: It's the end of time. And uh, hey, James. Hey. We have only... Three episodes left.
1: Eh Yeah-ish
0: of this episode. I know that's a weird thing to say.
1: We have three episodes before we're going to say a new episode number. Correct.
0: That's exactly what I mean.
1: (laughs) And And
0: then we'll go back. (laughs) (laughs) We don't have to talk about that part. Uh no, I think it's great because we frequently be like, ooh, we're getting there. Ooh, we're getting there. But I mean, like, you know, we really are getting there. Like, I think that's kind of exciting. Um, to really mm-hmm. think about.
1: and The all- number of exclamation points on my notes for the new episode is a lot. <laughs> oh, new good. episode! Oh, good. I'm
0: glad about that. Um, yeah. Well, where we are, though, currently is Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. Yes. Season 7.
1: Yes. Episode 1. Yes.
0: And we are still in the year 1931, by the way. Uh, and we are starting at minute 40 and 36 seconds Mm -hmm. and we're going to end at 41 13. These are the notes that I have. There's a very heavy knocking at Koenig's door. He says in a volume that definitely would not cut through a full room and a thick door. (laughs) We're closed. Go get your medicine somewhere else. They knock again throughout that and then immediately bust down the door he barely even sees them before going hey no 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 i warned you once about bleeding on my floor colson then appears around the corner holding the mystery woman in his arms wait have we named her yet nope okay that's what i thought i i wrote that down specific specifically remembering that you had said we hadn't named her yet so
1: when we're leaving 1931 if we haven't Haven't named her, her? we'll we'll tell what the name is, but uh, I think we're gonna rifle through her stuff here in a sec. (laughs)
0: Okay. Um, (laughs) So, uh, he speaks up and says, this woman needs help. Our doctor friends, sorry, our doctor friends gonna meet us here. Koenig's like, yo, where the fuck is Freddy? I mean, he doesn't say it quite like that, but he's like, hey, where's Freddy? Right. Daisy is then surprised that they're not back yet. Koenig then reminds us that he's from 1931 by saying something extremely (laughs) sexist. He says, Who the hell are you? Hey, no broads while we're talking business.
1: <laughs>
0: Luckily, Daisy comments on that for us and says, Wow, you're right. This one really sucks. Uh, <laughs> Koenig just sort of ignores that and asks again about Freddie. Coulson turns around after placing the woman down and he says, The new gang, they're after Freddie. Koenig again reminds us he's from 1931 by saying, Oh, applesauce. He's a nobody. <laughs> Colson states that he's a target and wants a reason. Koenig says, Well, they're not after his old man's money. When old man Malik jumped out that window, his debts were paid. A worried look is exchanged. What did you just call him? Give me a full name. Wilfred Malik. Why? One final, very dramatic look. And that's the end of that scene.
1: You know what's funny about time travel? What's that? Lots of things. But in our show, <laughs> We are a lot of times gonna be okay. uh, flashing back, so that um, like flashing back to reveals. You know what I mean? Like, oh, I see now that this this object was given at this point, and then when it gets to the point where they're remembering it, we're gonna have already mm-hmm. covered it. When you flash back to the future, Robert <laughs> Zemeckis hates that. But when you flash when you flashback, and what you're flashing back to is in the future. um... We're not there yet so malik means literally nothing to us
0: well Um, to you the listeners for james and i on this show the keepers of the mcu timeline
1: Mm -hmm. um we definitely all yeah for
0: sure and uh, sometimes many times through uh so james that was all that i really have for this episode because there's not a lot Mm -hmm. to go through Mm -hmm. but Mm -hmm. what i did have was i thought a lot about how he earlier called people candy canes which -hmm. we've commented on a couple times and then he said the i honestly i think possibly the worst slang i've heard in this entire episode of oh applesauce so i decided i'm going to look up some 1930s slang and okay. um just sort of see what we think about it uh just to see if we either want to bring it back or if we're glad it's in the past things like
1: that i just let me say real quick uh, um, minced oaths are like you say ah uh, jeez" instead of "ah uh, jesus and stuff and you can usually tell authentic slang You can tell what they're not saying. I have no idea what, oh, applesauce
0: is supposed to be. I don't think that that is a... I do not think that that is, like, in place of, like, oh, Jesus. I think that is legitimately, like, an exclamation. Because, truth be told, uh, I know this from watching a different video series, which I'll maybe post one of the episodes in the links and also send you one. Um, Mm -hmm. There's this incredible video series where two... Americans have to guess the fake British slang. So there's a Mm. British guy who then says, "I'm going to give you three terms. Two of them are real. One of them is a lie. So two truths and a lie." But British slang, right? And legitimately, sometimes the slang is literally just someone's name. Barney, like John. uh, Well, God, hang on. What is it? It's like Gordon Bennett, right? Uh, Gordon Bennett, right? (laughs) A lot of the times, like, you know, when you'll say like, oh, he's a real so-and-so, right? Like you think like sometimes people will throw out a name and you're like, kind of like when you say they're the so-and-so of 1931, right? That is a common slang thing. But in this case, just saying, oh, Gordon Bennett, it just means like, oh gosh, Gordon Bennett is an English language idiomatic phrase used to express surprise, contempt, outrage, disgust,
1: or frustration. Like ugh, Gordon Bennett. Oh, Colin, 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 con. Yeah. Oh my God. I thought this sounded familiar. Listeners, if you listen to Newsy's Minute, or if you haven't, Minute 71 of Newsy's Minute, we talk about Gordon Bennett, who was a publisher, an English publisher, I believe, but he is a character in a big crowd scene of, of publishers that Pulitzer and Hearst, where they think they got us, do they got us, no, I mean, sorry, um, mm-hmm. that Pulitzer and Hearst, they're meeting, Gordon Bennett is 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 there, um,
0: James Gordon Bennett, he goes by Gordon yeah. Bennett, a New York newspaper proprietor and playboy during the late 19th and early 20th century.
1: He peed, some, there's something with pee. Hold on one sec. <laughs> Bennett often scandalized society with his flamboyant and sometimes erratic behavior. In 1877, he left New York for Europe after an incident that ended his engagement to socialite Caroline May. According to various accounts, he arrived late and drunk to a party at the May family mansion, then urinated into a fireplace, or some say a grand piano, in full view of his hosts. Bennett's controversial reputation is thought to have inspired in Britain the phrase Gordon Bennett as an expression of incredulity. Yep. I told you pee had to do with it, and it didn't. Newsy's minute on the Scavengers Network, minute seventy-one. Go listen. I expect to see a spike.
0: So back, back on track. Uh, so here <laughs> we go. This is going to be some interesting <laughs> editing for me, I think. Um, all right. So let's talk about nineteen thirties slang. Let's just see if you can figure out what this one is. Abyssinia. I'll be seeing you. Damn, good job, James. Um Thanks. Blow your wig.
1: Uh, that blow your wig back. It'll mean like it'll it'll uh. It'll blow your mind. It'll surprise you.
0: Get excited. Yeah. Knock your socks off kind of the
1: thing. The wig yeah. is, uh, has yeah. a long history of what, I think that's also on another movie minute. I'm not sure which one though.
0: Now we all know what this one is. And um this is one that is a relic of the past and it can stay as such calling someone a broad, a dame or a doll.
1: Mm. Well, broad comes from broad hips. That's some, that's something I definitely know
0: okay well i mean i'm not saying this was not one to guess i was just saying yeah, like yeah. we know this one so i'm no, not I know. making yeah, yeah. a guess yeah
1: okay i just wanted to show you how smart i, am. I do
0: like this one a lot bumping gums
1: <laughs> talking yeah. blabbering
0: making conversation but of no substance yeah. i like that yeah, a lot
1: yeah. Hot air. Uh,
0: yeah 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 oh it's, it's like shooting the shit talk small talk yeah. You know, just now nah, we're just bumping making gums. Out with an old person <clears throat> i think that yeah that's a little different i think
1: I was bumping gums with old lady Smith. God, over
0: the weekend. Oh, that's so bad, James. God, uh, a cement mixer.
1: <laughs> um, a drink that isn't very good.
0: Nope. It's a person who is terrible at dancing.
1: Love it. Love it.
0: Dog soup.
1: Dog soup. I wonder if that's any relation to duck soup. Um, I don't know. What is dog soup?
0: It's a glass of water used to refer to those who can't afford to drink anything else.
1: Nice. Dog soup.
0: Which is interesting because on another term, also very British, calling something a dog's dinner, meaning Mm -hmm. it looks like, you know, nasty. Um, But then dog soup is just water. Now this one's, I think, very easy. Five spot. A a, a $5 bill. Yeah.
1: A fin. A fiver.
0: Slug burger.
1: Is that like a knuckle sandwich? Like a punch in the face? See,
0: that would be such a better term, in my opinion. (laughs) It's a hamburger <laughs> patty made with ground beef mixed with slightly stale bread.
1: Oh. The idea is to kind of
0: kind of extend the meat a little bit. Yeah,
1: and... so like the the breads are like the slugs, which are yeah, weighing down the interesting uh, slug burger.
0: We also know this one, I'm sure, but um, make tracks. Yeah, to leave.
1: Use heroin. Oh wait, what would you say? <laughs>
0: okay. <laughs> uh, okay.
1: That means like it's good or, oh, that wasn't.
0: I think you're going to know all of these, but just since we've talked about this, this will be where we leave it, I think. But let's just talk a little bit of, uh, of harder substances. Nice. Now, nowadays we use the word booze for any form of alcohol, but Mm -hmm. originally what did booze mean? Like which drink specifically?
1: I'm going to say Whiskey.
0: Ding 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 ding. Correct. Nice. Uh, Now, what about Cadillac? Now, this one's a drug, not a drink. So I'll give you that hint.
1: So that'd be—I would say cocaine.
0: An ounce of cocaine. Yeah. Uh, Which is also interesting because I didn't think they had Cadillacs yet. On it. Right, because it was just the Ford Model T and you know early Model As.
1: A Cadillac automobile manufacturer started in 1902
0: fascinating okay i uh, guess you know i'm once again just incredibly wrong
1: giggle juice that would that be just any any alcohol or wine or anything
0: think about the time we're in james
1: G- Oh, gin
0: Ooh, sorry it is still whiskey
1: <laughs> i'm sorry the answer to all of these is whiskey hey uh unabashedly obsessed is on, also on the scavengers network we did an entire episode about whiskey
0: uh, what about hooch then, James?
1: Who's got the hooch? Baby. That is that moonshine?
0: James, I've already given it you whiskey? the answer. Oh, it's fuck. whiskey. <laughs>
1: <laughs> Once again, I did a whole episode where uh, I didn't drink, so I did the research and stuff. So very feeling fine. great.
0: <laughs> okay. What about jive?
1: Jive? Mm-hmm. All right. Is it whiskey? No, no, no. Oh, sorry. Okay. We're, we're on
0: drugs again. I'm sorry. I, right, should I should okay. specify. Um,
1: I would say probably marijuana. Then,
0: mm-hmm. also sorry to clarify, I meant we are talking about drugs, not we are sure, on drugs. Right. Yeah. Well, uh, now this one's a little obvious. Mm, weed.
1: <laughs> that would be opium.
0: That it's interesting to think about that weed like really came into being as a slang term in the 1930s.
1: Well, isn't it funny that jive is no longer means drug? I mean you know you jive turkey and stuff in the 70s and also the simpsons Mm -hmm. um has taken on a different meaning
0: i think unfortunately this might be a little bit of a racist situation because it's probably uh, cultural appropriation yeah well uh, maybe i think it's also because jazz was also obviously huge during this time and so obviously white people were stealing that from you know The,
1: uh, when they have like jazz calling. cigarettes. Yeah,
0: exactly. Oh, there you go. Exactly. With yeah. jive in it, right? Um, now, here's something very interesting because this is a term I'd only ever heard in pop culture and not about mm-hmm. a drug.
1: Okay.
0: I'm in In this case, I'm going to say once again, it's marijuana. Okay. James, I want you to think about a term that came about in a popular fictional series That was used for a certain type of people, uh, who might not have been born with certain abilities written by a turf.
1: Oh, okay. So a squib.
0: Ooh, you're very close. What's the other one that sometimes was even worse when people put vitriol behind it?
1: Oh, um, mudblood.
0: No, uh, muggle.
1: Oh, mug. Oh. That's hilarious. Muggles is pot.
0: Muggles is pot. Harry Potter. Oh, James, you've pot. done something there. Yeah, I know. I oh, I thought that's what I thought that was your point. I was like, no, wow, no, no, no. Yeah,
1: yeah. That was that was good.
0: yeah. Um, okay, actually, I did lie. We're gonna go through just a couple more, just because this is kind of fun. Uh, yeah. These are uh, I think these are even easier to get, especially if you've watched okay. any form of movie ever. Uh,
1: okay, oh, I have, so I'm excited.
0: The big house.
1: The big house jail. Yeah. I was like, heroin. No, we're not on drugs anymore. Okay.
0: I mean, this one's, uh, God, you want to talk about obvious? Bust out.
1: <laughs> uh, to le- leave or yeah, break out. Exactly.
0: <laughs> now, this is fascinating. I had never heard this one before. Buzzer.
1: A buzzer? Mm-hmm. Like a, sh- a shot of, of alcohol? Mm-mm. To make you buzzed?
0: Nope. If you see someone has a buzzer, you better beat it. You better skedaddle. It's a badge indicating someone is a law officer. Law enforcement uh, officer. Sorry, I don't know why I skipped that one word. Now this is this is a good line. I think this is a great term. The Chicago overcoat.
1: The Chicago overcoat. Okay, so this is a way that the mob would kill you, and I, is it where they wrap? Is that is it where they uh, put you in cement?
0: No, but it it kind of has a somewhat similar. No, I, that's me being very vague. No, it's not it
1: okay uh is it a way that the mob would kill you no oh
0: it's something that would happen after
1: after Mm -hmm. you die Mm -hmm. they take your (laughs) clothes they cut your skin
0: off when they bury you what do they put you in
1: oh a coffin Mm -hmm. oh that's a yeah chicago
0: overcoat is a coffin I think that's a great oh, term.
1: Although, well, hold on one sec. Cement shoes, concrete shoes, or Chicago overcoat is a method of murder or body disposal usually associated with criminals such as the mafia or gangs.
0: That's fascinating. Because to me, that wouldn't be an overcoat. That'd be something for your shoes.
1: Well, I think in the overcoat, they put they you- put you in the cement? The whole thing.
0: I don't think you've really swim with the fishes at that point. You're just-
1: Well, it says it says a uh, common trope in fiction. Only one real life case has ever uh, been authenticated. Gotcha. So- fiction.
0: Okay. This is interesting. A convincer, a heater, or a rod. These are all the same thing.
1: That would be a gun.
0: Absolutely. Uh, and then we all know this one, but it's just, I do not the first term. Okay. But the second term I really love truthfully. Okay. Here we go. A dick, a gumshoe or a flat foot
1: detective.
0: Absolutely. I think gumshoe is such a good term i i like the way that that rolls off the tongue like that word
1: i was talking to someone probably my dad because this sounds like the conversation we'd have about gumshoe and how it's like um if you have gum on your shoe just walking around you pick things up like clues um and then it also sounds like gumption kind of like where it's like you have to be kind of bold. like Mm -hmm. good slang is good slang i
0: agree i agree full heartedly but anyway, that's all that I have for this episode. I mean, like, you know, we we got a little something out of it. I just really wanted, once I heard, oh, applesauce, I was like, oh, my yeah. God. It just, that's all it yeah. made me think of. So there you have it. There's a little bit of more information on even more 1930s slang. So, James, why don't you hit us with the music of 1931?
1: I'm so excited that we talked about Chicago overcoats, uh, Colin.
0: Is there, is this music from Chicago?
1: It is, it is not. Is it about an um, overcoat? It is not, though we are going to talk about Mafia Ties. Oh, okay. So,
0: Mafia Ties are what you wear
1: under uh, your Chicago overcoat. What does that
0: stand for? Yeah.
1: (laughs) (laughs) Here we go. All right. uh, So, we're talking about Bing Crosby with Stardust. Uh, We've we've heard from Bing Crosby. In fact, this is our third Bing Crosby song. Stardust, we talked about uh, in the scene where they come out from behind the fence in their 1930s duds. Mm -hmm. So, I was like, crap, what are we going to talk about here? And then I realized we hadn't done a bio on Bing Crosby. Um, all right. So, all right. So, uh, Harry Lillis Bing Crosby Jr. You always hope that they gave themselves the nickname like Sting. Bing mm-hmm. Sting. Mm-hmm. Um, Bling. He was named. What was that? Bling. Uh huh. Ring- Ringo. Go. Yep. James. Uh, that uh.
0: was incredible. B Brain on that one.
1: B Brain. Bing brain Bing, um all right so he was uh, Bing, an american sorry Bing. um chandler Bing. whoa oh, short wow. message uh he was an american singer and actor the first multimedia star he was one of the most popular and influential music art, musical artists of the 20th century and he was a leader in record sales radio ratings and motion picture grosses from 1926 to 1977 when he died <laughs> <laughs> so he could have gone for longer but then he wasn't alive anymore and they don't like sure you to be in movies it's a sort of discrimination um <laughs> yeah aliveism. all right so he he made over 70 feature films and recorded more than 1600 songs uh, 1948 american polls declared him the quote most admired man alive because sexiest man alive was probably not uh you probably couldn't put that on, stuff. on a magazine yet yeah, yeah. yeah. um ahead he, he beat out jackie robinson and pope pius the 12th so
0: <laughs> the first bing one crosby, i was like I mean, sexier then,
1: than the pope yeah
0: um <laughs> uh, i was like yeah. wow that that's a tough competition and then yeah, you said for the sure pope and i was like yeah. hmm. we well, should... hang on
1: historical hotties special edition bing crosby jackie robinson and pope pius the 12th pope pius p-i-u-s yep
0: yeah, I, this is weird that they think that this guy was up for it. It's um, no, he, no,
1: might No, it was most admired. So they probably admired him okay. because he was the head of their religion. That's fair.
0: Because I was like, look, um, yeah. this man
1: was—he, I mean, not, not, not the not, sexiest pope we've ever seen. I mean,
0: I'm not trying to objectify anyone, but I'm just saying.
1: Historical hotties on the scavengers network did do an episode about popes.
0: Yeah, I'm. I'm just saying he wasn't exactly yeah. uh, a pew turner. You know what I'm saying?
1: Uh huh. For sure. That was my best um, one, but whatever. L- love it. Love it. And love you. Aww. Thank you. In 1948, Bing Crosby <laughs> G- estimated, get- uh, uh, Music Digest estimated that his recording filled, his recordings filled more than half of the 80,000 weekly hours allocated to recorded radio music. So 40,000 hours worth of Bing Crosby on the radio in 48 uh he won the academy award for best actor for his performance in going my way in 1944 and was nominated for its sequel the bells of saint mary's in 1945 opposite ingrid bergman becoming the first of six actors to be nominated twice for playing the same character i'm now in the moment wishing i knew what the other five were but i don't (laughs) know probably lord of the rings is like three of them um he is one of 33 people to have three stars on the Hollywood Walk of Fame in the categories of motion pictures, radio, and audio recording. Um, he was known, also known for his collaborations with fem, with friend Bob Hope, starring in the Road to films from 1940 to 1962. He influenced the development of the post-war recording industry. Uh, he went to He saw a reel-to-reel recorder demonstration in Germany, and he brought that back to America. German broadcast-quality reel-to-reel tape recorder brought to America by John T. Mullen. He invested $50,000 in California electronics company Ampex to build copies. He then persuaded ABC to allow him to tape his shows. He became the first performer to pre-record his radio shows and master his commercial recordings onto magnetic tape. Through the medium of recording, he constructed his radio programs with the same directorial tools and craftsmanship: editing, retaking, rehearsal, time shifting, used in motion picture production. A practice that became industry standard. I just realized that means that Bing Crosby was the first podcaster. In addition to his work with <laughs> oh, early, <no>. oh.
0: <laughs> in addition to his,
1: to his work with early tape recording, he helped finance the development of videotape, bought television stations, bred racehorses. It doesn't say whether he did it personally or hired someone to do that. <laughs> and co-owned the Pittsburgh Pirates baseball team during which the t- during which time the team won two World Series in 1960 and 1961.
0: Bing. Yeah. Um. I mean, oh, applesauce, Bing.
1: Rich and famous. Um. So now I have a whole bunch of paragraphs here, but I did highlight them. So I'm going to read the highlighted parts. And if you have any questions or anything. Or I see a look on your face that's like, "Ooh, I want to know more about that." We'll go back uh, through. Crosby reportedly had an alcohol problem in his youth, but he later got a handle on his drinking. Uh, he told his son Gary to stay away from alcohol, adding, "It killed your mother," and suggesting he smoke marijuana instead. Crosby told Barbara Walters in nineteen seventy-seven in a nineteen seventy-seven televised interview that he thought marijuana should be legalized. Okay. In later years, it was revealed that Crosby had ties with figures in the mafia since youth. Unlike Frank Sinatra, however, Crosby was less willing to hint at his mafia ties publicly. (laughs) Bing Crosby, the Johnny Tight Lips of the actual music scene. FBI documents, which were made public in December, 1999, revealed that FBI Director, FBI Deputy Director, Clyde Tolson, discovered that Crosby liked to gamble at gambling dens, which were operating illegally. As early as 1930, Crosby had a gambling addiction, which resulted in him, at times, owing mobsters thousands in gambling debts. In retaliation for not paying his gambling debts, Crosby received death threats and was forced to ask people, including Sinatra, for money so he could avoid being killed. A uh, wild shift in the next sentence. The FBI documents also revealed that Jack Machine Gun McGurn, an alleged gunman in the St. Valentine's Day Massacre, was one of Crosby's golfing partners and that Crosby was... (laughs) was friends with high profile mobsters such as bugsy siegel and frank nitty as well so there have been allegations made on the cutting room floor about bing crosby's treatment of his children so the first paragraph after crosby's death his eldest son gary wrote a highly critical memoir going my way which came out in 1983 great year depicting his father as cruel cold remote and physically and psychologically abusive And then I have three paragraphs of quotes from that. However, Bing Crosby's daughter, Mary Crosby, said in an interview that Gary Crosby told her the publishers had encouraged him to exaggerate his claims, and Mm. he had written the book just for money. Crosby's younger son, Philip, vociferously disputed his brother Gary's claims about their father. Around the time Gary published his claims, Philip stated to the press that, quote, quote here, because this contains a word I don't like to use, Gary is a whining, bitching, cries baby. I'm sorry, I'm gonna take that again. Gary is a whining, bitching, cry baby walking around with a two by four on his shoulder and just daring people to nudge it off. <laughs> end
0: quote <laughs> wow that's fascinating <laughs> never, because i've lived my entire life under the implication that well, Bing crosby got lit what? up and then lit up his son you know what i'm saying
1: it is <clears throat> we are not done yet oh this gosh is, okay this is just the this is just the pro and con um nevertheless philip did not deny that crosby believed in corporal punishment in an interview with people mm. magazine philip stated that quote we never got an extra whack or a cuff we didn't deserve end quote Interesting. Okay. I want to, I'm I'm suddenly really uh, thirsty for Philip uh, slagging off Gary. So hold on one second. My dad was not the monster. My lying brother said he was, he was strict, but my father never beat us black and blue. And my brother, Gary was a vicious, no good liar for saying so. I have nothing but fond memories of dad, going to studios with him, family vacations at our cabin in Idaho, boating and fishing with him. To my dying day, I'll hate Gary for dragging dad's name through the mud. He wrote going my own way out of greed. He wanted to make money and knew that humiliating our father and blackening his name was the only way to do it. He knew it would generate a lot of publicity. That was the only way he could get his ugly, no-talent face on television and in the newspapers. (laughs) my dad was a hero i loved him very much he loved all of us too including gary he was a great father
0: okay (laughs) two things on this one what his name philip right
1: philip yeah
0: philip has like philip has a fucking mouth on him and it's incredible (laughs) i love how angry and like
1: volatile philip is It's not a great case against your dad being super violent to respond super violently. (laughs) I will say it's
0: very funny to me because it feels very much like if the two sons were to be played in a movie, like maybe not right now because they're a little too old, but like if you did this like back then, I feel like you would, I meant, yeah, yeah, you know what I'm saying. But like, I meant like, I meant the actors right now. Um, Oh, okay. I see. Yeah. Yeah. I feel like the oldest son would be Robert De Niro. (laughs) And the youngest okay. son would be Joe Pesci.
1: Joe Pesci, absolutely, because the, 100%. Because he'd be like,
0: he's like, you know, uh, our father, you know, oh, yeah, you know, he beat us. You know, he was... Brave. And then, like, the door would be kicked open but from, like, <laughs> across the room, and you would just hear... Oh. Who the fuck asked you? You'd say like, you saying shit about our father? Like, he'd just be, he'd be like, you know, <laughs> screaming at the top of his lungs. You would hear like, right. like, oh, whoa, whoa! When the fuck did I ask you about how <laughs> our father treated you? And he's like, no, no, I'm just saying. You know, they asked me to write a book about it. It's like, oh, they asked you to write a book about it. Huh? <laughs> I just clip my mic getting Joe Pesci in here. As much as I'm kind of like sometimes like, man, he seemed like he was a bit of a monster. I do watch White Christmas, like. God, four or five times every Christmas season. Uh, yeah. In fact, so we're recording this on uh, December fourteenth. Well, for me, December fifteenth yeah, for
1: fifteenth
0: for me. Yep. Um, and uh, I have already seen it three times this year. Wow! Um, and I will probably watch it again before I go home for the holidays. And I wow. guarantee you, we'll watch it again uh, because it's something that like my whole family watches. I mean, we watch all of them. You know I mean like we watch sure. all, you know, holiday movies? We're a bit obsessed with like, with the, the Christmas season. Love um, it. but like, I will say as far as like old time, uh, you know, holiday movies go, it is hard to beat white Christmas. It's a good one, which I do think is a little bit of a precursor to Hallmark Christmas movies, but be, just sure. because of the I way that, that there's the romance and the, uh, the, the miscommunication and like the, you know,
1: <laughs> in 1998, someone at Hallmark was like, I was thinking about white Christmas. Do you think we need talented singers or? And they were like, Do you think that we could probably just have.
0: They said no, but I did hear you say White Christmas. So (laughs) that one is for both me and James and my mom. Uh, I believe that Tiamari
1: has been in a. No, you you are correct. There
0: have been some people of color in the Hallmark movies. Uh, I will say, again, I know I do this probably like once every 10 episodes, but as a quick shout out to my mom, my mom does watch every single hallmark movie it is astounding like our knowledge of the mcu yeah. like my mom could do an uh, a timeline scavengers-esque show about the hallmark christmas
1: universe i and will that's take it the H- Scavengers the um hmm mm-hmm. uh Mark uh, got married. Um, mm-hmm. Former guest of the show, Mark. Former and future guest of the show, Mark got married, and the theme of their wedding was Hallmark Christmas. So every oh. table was the last. It was like ta- we were at table Sweeten uh, because Jody Sweeten uh, oh. was yeah. All right, so uh, so that was Gary and Philip. But there are two more Crosby children. Oh
0: God, there's more. Okay,
1: they, I, I picture them as the middle, but I don't know the order, but. I did picture Gary as the old... Gary was the oldest. I do picture Philip as the youngest. Um, Oh, actually, there's three. I'm so sorry. I forgot about Bob. Uh, What about Bob? All right. However, Dennis and Lindsay Crosby confirmed that Bing sometimes suggested his his sons to harsh physical discipline and verbal put-downs. Regarding the writing of Gary's memoir, Lindsay said, I'm glad Gary did it. I hope it clears up a lot of the old lies and rumors. And Mm. then Philip exploded. Unlike (laughs) Gary, though... (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> Unlike Gary, though, Lindsay stated that he preferred to remember, quote, all the good things I did with my dad and forget the times that were rough, end quote. When the book was published, Dennis distanced himself by calling it, quote, Gary's business, end quote, but did not publicly deny its claims. Bing's younger brother, singer and jazz band leader Bob Crosby, oh, it's, it's Uncle Bob, recalled at the time of Gary's revelations that Bing was a, quote, disciplinarian, end quote, as their mother and father had been. He added, "quote We were brought up that way." End quote. In an interview for that same for the same article, Gary clarified that Bing, quote, so this is Gary that, that clarified this, uh, what, that Bing, quote, was like a lot of fathers of that time. He was not out to be vicious to beat children for his kicks.
0: Hmm. Okay, interesting.
1: Which kind of undercuts his whole thing. You I know guess. what I?
0: You know what I think it is, truthfully. I think a lot of it is also, I mean, a little bit, truth be told, some of the, like, um, toxic masculinity side of things, Mm -hmm. right? I think that a lot of this comes down to, you know, for him, he's like, you know, I think that he's saying like, oh, he's a dirty liar because like, he got hit or probably both of them got hit, but it was like, in his mind, he was like, like you said, but it was never a lick that we weren't supposed to take. To him, right. the behavior was like okay. He didn't think it was monsterish, but I think right. that for for not Philip, I'm sorry. No, Ga- um, Ga- Gary is the
1: one that said he was like a lot of fathers at the time. So this is the guy that was like, I wrote a whole book about what a monster oh, my dad. was I mean, was.
0: yeah, no, true. But I'm saying, but I'm saying is like, yeah. I'm saying that like, I think this is where it's like a weird thing to get into because I think mm-hmm. that it's a little bit of half and half. I it, do think it's possible. Again, we don't know for sure.
1: Absolutely, I sure. think it's
0: very possible that he could have done this. But the yeah. idea is that because it certain aspects of that were very uh, like popular to do, basically. Societally, societally, yeah, societally acceptable. Yeah, acceptable. Yeah. I think that that's why Philip is like, it's not that big a deal. Like, everyone has this sort of thing. Meanwhile, Gary's kind of like, well, I think we got a little bit more than we bargained for. But, you know, but um, then also being like, ah, but maybe I'm being harsh on it. You know, maybe you're right. Maybe I'm because I doesn't want to seem like he's not tough. So who knows?
1: Right. So, okay, so, uh, while well, they're only a year apart. Okay, so, um, my, my, I think this is a generational thing for sure. I think that it's, it's, cause, so they were 33, so they're actually my grandparents' age. But, like, I think that it may be that Gary, I haven't read the book, but the thing, one of the things I read was he went and saw Going My Way, which is what the book is titled after, and that Bing won an Academy Award for. And he's like, he plays a priest in it. And he's <laughs> like, this priest that, like, takes care of like sort of poor kids and like looks out for them and like really connects with them and like helps them. And he's like, I loved seeing that on the screen. I connected with the character. I loved it. And then I went home to my dad. Yeah. So like, I think maybe he was not dealing with my father, the monster, but more me and the stuff I've gone through. I think that maybe as a book, it's not super cool to be like, and I'm Bing Crosby's son, so here you go.
0: I mean, it's also um, probably, it, again, kind of like I was saying, I think it also could be painted in a worse way, too, because maybe mm-hmm. it wasn't as bad as he says, but to him it felt that way because sure. he did get to exactly like you said. Go see that movie where you're like, man, what a loving man who had never yep. raised his hand at a child, and then you go home, right. and that same man that you just saw on the silver screen is now giving you a screen you know, to yeah. your face, he's kind calling of thing, you, you
1: know? old saddlebags and and ugly fat kid, or whatever he called them. <laughs> um, the old saddlebags was for sure one. So, he's saying one last freckle face
0: Haynes, the dog face boy. <laughs> anyway, that's a white Christmas um, line for you.
1: So, Bing wrote that one about his kids. <laughs> um, <laughs> i have an ad lib would you mind gary step into frame all right so um i did a a search on the marvel wikipedia for bing crosby i did the same
0: thing too that's so funny so
1: so then me sending you this i opened apple tv because i can't click on things for shit (laughs) fantastic four number nine uh the plot of this is namor buys a tv studio or a, a movie studio to trap the fantastic four when they go to make a movie, but then they survive. So he keeps going, making the movie and it's a huge success. And Bing is seen hanging out there with all the other celebs at Namor's movie studio, um, which is an absolutely wild and very 1960s plot. Um, so that is the first of a two part series of, Hey, was Bing Crosby ever in the, uh, in the Marvel universe? And uh, next next installment, we're going to see a little old friend that we've seen many, many times before. Mm-hmm. And if you've been listening, you know who it is. Also one of several brothers. That is going to do it for all that I have. Shall I take us to some very quick social media?
0: Uh, yeah, let's do that.
1: All right, cool. We have social media, and the social media is this. On Twitter, you can find our podcast at Timeline Scav. Uh, you can find our podcast network the scavengers network at scavengers net uh, you can find me on twitter at unabashed james colin where can people find you on twitter
0: i can be found at colin m parker
1: <laughs> cool uh, nick bramald composed the beginning and end so- the, the songs that you've heard at the beginning end of the show were composed by nick bramald you can find him on twitter at Ann Bramald. that is b-r-a-m-a-l-d or you can go to nickbramaldcomposer.co.uk.
0: His music really punches up our show.
1: (laughs) It's a hit. All right, so uh, I want to talk to you about our Patreon really quick. You can find us Mm. at patreon.com slash thescavengersnetwork. $2 a month gets you access to literally all of the bonus content that we've made for the network, Uh, this show, other shows. We are almost done with some of the main parts of some big, cool stuff as we record on December 15th um but when this comes out i believe it will be out yeah it will
0: definitely be out by now cool
1: uh so that is patreon.com slash the scavengers network please come join it is chock-a-block full of bonus content it's like the bing crosby of patreon websites for our network uh that is going to do it for today's show uh we are just i feel like we've we've wrapped ourselves in 1931 culture like a like a warm blanket like i feel like we're talking about the movies the language drinking mm-hmm. drugs you know the 30s yeah um but uh we got we got a little bit more of 31 to go uh but for now and for always i am james anderson and i'm colin parker oh applesauce James. What are you watching? Newsies. Oh, I love that movie. What minute are you on? What? What minute are you on? I think my favorite minute is probably minute 37.
0: Uh, I don't know what you're talking about. I'm
1: just watching the movie. You know there's a way more intense way to watch Newsies. There is? Absolutely. Watch it minute by minute along with Newsies Minute. Oh, you
0: mean the new podcast on the Scavengers Network.
1: Yep. The one that we're the hosts of. Uh, well... Well well yeah.
0: That sounds awesome. When do new episodes come out?
1: Every weekday.
0: Now that's good news. Newsies Minute. So come for crutchy. The Scavengers
1: Network. Creator-driven. Community-focused. Treasured content.